This is the Agile Thoughts Podcast, and I'm Lance Kahn. Hi, I'm John Jagger. I'm a software developer. I've been doing that for, goodness me, over 45 years now. I live in the southwest of the UK. Uh, I built CyberDojo because I think it's a worthwhile thing to do, an interesting thing to do, and a fun thing to do. This is a continuing episode of a series about Cyber Dojo. The start of this series happened at episode 193. So I have a, I have a couple of sort of feedback on that, reflections on that, because you're right in the sense that in the strict sense, if you like, TDD, you always write the test first. But I wouldn't claim to be as zealous, if that's the word, as that. If you ask me, for example, hand on heart, when I wrote CyberDojo, did I always write the, which I did in a TDD fashion, did I write it always writing the test first? The answer is no, not always. I mean, I very rarely do something always. You know this is being recorded, right? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're coming on the record here. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, what's important for me, more important for me, is that the coding and the tests are in a closely evolving loop. I don't want to ever write a lot of code without the test, but equally, I don't ever want to write a lot of tests without the code because they both give each other feedback. I think that, for me, is the most important thing. And the other thought was, I, I would 10 years ago, I would have agreed with you that most people aren't doing proper testing, for want of a better phrase. But I see that changing quite a lot. And I, and I think a big part of it is that continuous integration, continuous delivery, DevOps, basically, really has taken off. And people finally understand that if you want to get 10 times more throughput through your pipeline, yeah. which is a perfectly reasonable thing to want, sure. it isn't going to happen unless you increase your quality by 10. That, I mean, that's just basic systems thinking, right? So they, they understand, finally, they, they have a motivation, if you like, for getting the higher quality with the test so that they can get the higher throughput and et cetera, et cetera. So I see more and more people actually doing really good test room development. Let me, let's parse a little bit on that one. Um, okay. You were talking about quality of 10, Did, and you're talking about I want quality of 10 to do continuous delivery. I, I would have thought that would have been more about I want to get all of my tests running with fast feedback so I can deliver. So uh, are we saying the right. same things, or do you have a different frame with that quality of 10 uh, statement? Well, I picked 10 because, again, the assumption was supposing your manager says to you you want to get 10 times more commits, and each commit causes a CI pipeline to run. Right. What you don't want to have happen there is that your developers literally take the manager at the word, and they <laughs> literally do 10 times more commits, but none of them are ever green. Right, right. But that can easily happen. Right, of course. But the, point, but the problem is, if you've been running in a, in a certain system where you only commit, I don't know, let's say 10 times a day, you've, you have, all things being equal, got a system with enough quality to allow you to commit 10 times a day because it's in balance, all things being equal. Most of the time, most systems are in balance. But if you suddenly increase the throughput of the commits 10 by a factor of 10, you're just going to kill the system, mm. right? Because it can't cope with it because it was balanced for 10 commits per day. Almost all of them are suddenly going to be red and people are going to be falling over each other's commits and merges and all that kind of stuff. So you have, to, you have to increase the quality just literally based on the feedback that we haven't got enough quality at the moment to do this much throughput. Right. Yeah, see, so I think we are saying the same thing. It's just different. Right. Exactly. Another thing that you said, and I'm not, I literally don't know, I've heard things, and I've heard from Lisa Crispin, for example. She said that fewer people are doing TDD now than they've done in the past. And I'm saying TDD, by the way. I'm not saying just uh, test automation. Right. 
And and so, do you feel that as well? When we you, you, so, I agree that continuous delivery is is where everybody wants to be. From the business wants it for sure. Right. IT struggles to get, to deliver it to get it there, and then of course when we have the, the teams to to figure out how to operate to get there. Right. Do you agree with Lisa that TDD is on its sort of on the downward cycle still compared to in maybe early two thousand or late nineties where more people were practicing it? Is is the hypothesis? My instinct is no, I would say that I don't agree with that. I think it's it's just become more of an accepted thing, so it gets talked about less. Ah. The companies that are doing really, really well don't talk about it because why would they? That's boring. They've been doing that 10 years, right? <laughs> right, right, right. And that very well could be. I'm a little bit unclear where people are getting this data because and I may have to go back and look at the Accelerate book too to see if they had a comment about that. Because I've heard that's that comment. Point. Yeah. But that's that's all I know. Not the data. I just heard comment. <laughs> No, but the Accelerate book does have the data, and I remember seeing it. And one of the things they do is they sort of quantify how many people are doing best practice versus, you know, really, frankly, not so good practice, again, based on data. And the number of, as I recall, the last time I saw that come through for the last year's data, the number that was in the top category as a percent had jumped by quite a large amount. Good. Cool. Well, that, that, they have to. If you don't do it and you're not keeping up, you're just not going to stay in business. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with that. But I'm trying to be somewhat open-minded. I mean, I'm a, I am believe TDD is the easiest and simplest way to get quality unit tests. And not doing it and doing it, writing tests later doesn't work as well for several reasons. Right. But that's me, right? And so it's possible that the data could actually refute that and show that maybe developers are just better. <laughs> you know, I don't believe this, but maybe developers are actually better at, at not doing TDD and they can deliver just reasonably enough uh, unit tests so that they can actually do uh, reasonably enough uh, continuous delivery. So, uh, but, right. but audience, I don't actually believe that. I'm just stating it to be open-minded. <laughs> sure. But yeah, so if the data show that, that'd be interesting. Well, okay, so you're, you're maybe, you're, most of your motivation here came from the frame of test, teaching TDD and making it easy. And because there's a lot of value in it, and you mentioned why, that they waste their classroom time. And crucially, the learning you get from the retrospective at the end. Okay, right, right. Okay, cool. And let's talk a little bit more about that. Like, why is that so important? Because it's so hard to get. Yeah, because... To be honest, a lot of people don't do it at all. They'll do an exercise, for example... Uh, and they won't really review what they did in any meaningful way, and they won't certainly won't do it a second time. They'd say, why would I do it a second time? I've already done it once, right? I mean, some people will, obviously. I'm, I'm sort of stereotyping, but my... I'm sorry, do, do what a second time? I, I, I the lost. same exercise. The same exercise, there we are. The same okay. exercise yeah. in the same language with the same test framework, uh, which you just solved, or you've solved the exercise. Why would you do it again? Right. Well, right. you won't know until you do it again. But when you do it again, you'll learn things that you perhaps didn't anticipate. That's what I find. I mean, I've literally done some exercises in the same language and the same test framework more than 10 times. And, and each time I think, well, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to learn anything new this time. And eh, blow me down every single time you do it. And it's the same <laughs> with teaching. I've done the same course with literally the same exercises to groups, maybe close to 100 times for some courses when I used to work for myself. And each time you think nothing new can happen this time. Yeah. I've done it so many times. It's literally the same exercise every single time. At least one new thing happens. It's amazing because people are so varied, right? Uh, nice. I, I agree with everything you said. And then I'm going to take another layer of the onion skin away. Um, what I, I think, and I'm guessing here a little bit, that what you're referring to when you say a deep retrospective, I think is what we're talking about, is that you can literally see 
because of the git commits being tracked where what are the fine so so when we think about painting there's the big brush strokes and there's the fine brush strokes where you're right. really trying to see if the, they're building the, the, the whatever the, the structure right of the actual paint and texture so we're talking right. about fine brush strokes you're trying to see if the developer is writing some kind of test movement ahead of something of the code they're writing and perhaps well, they go ahead well perhaps it depends. Sometimes, I mean, lots of people use CyberDojo now for lots of things. And some, I know some people use it with a very quite rigid framework about this is what they want to teach and this is what they want you to learn. And that's absolutely fine. But my personal preference is, not, is, is a bit different to that. I, I will, when I present the exercise, I will very, very deliberately not specify anything more than what's there just visually in the sense that you've picked the language, you've picked the test framework, you've picked the name of the exercise. Off you go. Uh, but I will caveat that. I'll say, look, if you've got any questions about, about what you're trying to do, the specification in the in the written text file, which is unclear to you, that's absolutely no. What a surprise! When are the requirements ever absolutely clear? Right? I will be your customer. I'll be your customer in the room. You can ask me anything, and I will try and clarify what I, as a customer, actually want. And not, people never do. They never ask me. So that's one interesting <laughs> thing, right? Okay. Well, but the point is... Because I you're so scary. You know, you're clearly <laughs> a very scary person. Right. But, the, but the main point is, I'm not trying to preempt with a bias about what people do. And the reason for that is because when I present what they've done, I'm not showing them what I've done. I'm showing them what they've done. So it could be whatever happens, happens. That's the point, right? So it could be that you've got someone who's relatively inexperienced, and every time they do a commit, they have to do it twice because they always forget a semicolon at the end of the line. I mean, maybe. I'm just picking something out of the right, air. Right, right. Okay. But the point is, yeah. for some reason, until they viscerally see yeah. that they've done this and again and right, again and right. again and again, not always, but some of them, it clicks. They think, my God, why am I doing this every time? Why don't I just lock do that, right? Yeah, now okay. they're starting to get into the loop of, okay, I'm looking at my feedback. There's, I remember doing a course in Ireland one time, and we were doing this feedback, and lots of different things happened, and people were really getting into it. And at the end of it, a guy came up to me and said, John, he said, that was great. He said, but he said, the best thing is, there's nowhere for people to hide. <laughs> <laughs> because you're showing them what they've done. And at the end of the review, when everyone's seen everyone's code, because you can learn things from other people's code way more than your uh, code a lot of time. Like yeah, you said, yeah. you learn from examples. Such a big factor is learning from examples, right? Yeah. That I ask people to write down three or four things that, that, that for whatever reason stuck in their mind when we did that review could be from what they did when they saw their code being replayed, could be from a different animal. Doesn't matter. Whatever it was that for whatever reason stuck in your mind, pick a couple of things and now we can do the exercise again. And what I say is, all I want you to do is think about those two things as you do the exercise. Try and improve slightly. That's the mentality we're trying to get into. Nice. So that's the way I run it. I try not to bias it so that people have got nowhere to hide, to use that phrase from that guy in Ireland. Okay, cool. I'm with you there. I was I was heading down the track of, of a specific uh, example with TD, but you're saying in general, there's a lot of fine brush strokes that we're trying to help people with because we're all well varied experiences. And uh, right. if, if you expose those fine brush strokes, you can create improvement across a large group of a, a team of people or whoever's in your dojo. So that, that's really cool. And, and yeah. I've seen that, frankly, for, for teams who work together closely, they improve faster in, in numerous different ways. Like, oh, you can do the keyboard shortcuts differently. Or, right. oh, uh, I remember one time somebody 
I was working with a client and, 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 and for whatever reason, we decided to work together, the two of us in a meeting room and she brought a power brick for her laptop and it was a power brick that was underpowered for a laptop. So her laptop was running super slow and she, we couldn't figure out. We wasted 30 minutes waiting for something to build and then we left the room and somebody said, oh yeah, you were using the wrong power brick. And if we had done it in the team area and not worried about disturbing the team, we would have gotten that information faster. Right, yeah. Are you new to Agile or Scrum? Looking for a fun way to pick up the knowledge to become an Agile team? Go get the novel, Agile Noir. It's a dramatic novel about a project manager who needs to transform his teams to become Agile because his life depends on it. This book is available in the US on Amazon, in India on pathy.com, in China, it's available on my WeChat store. Links are in the show notes. Check out the podcast notes and you will find some nice clickable or tappable things that are related to this episode, such as the URL to Cyber Dojo and a few video presentations from John Jager. If you're like my friend Larry and you missed the first episode of the series, you can search for the show archive and look up episode 193. The show archive is available by Googling Lancer Agile Thoughts Archive. Next episode, more Cyber Dojo. There's one other small thing I think worth mentioning about the learning aspect of, of Cyber Dojo, and that is that I feel it's very important when you're in a, a learning environment that you don't come as a teacher, if you like, with a preformed idea of what the, they're going, what the people you're teaching are going to learn. So, it, I, I mean, the way I could crudely just write uh, talk about it is that if I'm a, if the, if I'm trying to teach someone and they're 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 at position A and I want them to get them to Z and there's 25 steps to get them from A to Z. The, wor the, the worst thing for me to do is to start telling them about Y, which is one step away from Z. I should be teaching them about B, C, and D, because that's where they're at.